Welcome to my MACD life, empowered by the Support Sight Foundation. This podcast is about macular degeneration and the devastating impact it has on millions of people and their families every single day, 365 days a year. Our mission is simple, to bring hope, optimism, perspective, and education to our listeners. So tune in, buckle up, and put your listening ears on. Support for today's My MACD Life podcast comes from Healthy Vision Association, Novartis, The Sparrow, Centric Bank, and Hinkelstein and & Associates. Well, Dr. Murray, thanks for being on the My MACD Life show and welcome to the show. Sean, it's my pleasure. Thank you for having me. We're really honored, you know, because we saved the first guest for best. So thanks for being on the show. I love that thought. So it's a pleasure to be your inaugural guest. Absolutely. So let's kind of start out at the beginning. Why don't we tell everybody a little bit about the American Society of Retina Specialists? Tell people kind of what's that all about? So the American Society of Retina Specialists is an organization that includes virtually every retina specialist in the United States, Wow! but also has an international presence. So we have members, I think, in about 50 other countries. But what's exciting for me is everybody in the U.S. is pretty much a member of this society. That's fantastic. And I'm also curious to know, and I'm I'm always curious about this thought, about your path. You know, what led you to being a retina specialist? Why did you pick eyes, for example? Yeah, so I think that's always interesting, and we all have different stories. I was fascinated by medicine when I was younger, and we're talking 13 and 14. I went to my father was a military pilot. And he passed away when I was younger. My mom remarried another military pilot. So I ended up in Okinawa, Japan for high school. Wow. And I knew I wanted to go to medical school, but I wasn't sure if anybody had gone to medical school from Japan before. So um, I applied and I got into Hopkins. Johns Hopkins at that time had a program that lets you go to medical school and college together. And it allowed you to shorten the time. So I did that. And in my first year that I was in that program, I spent some time at the Wilmer Eye Institute at Johns Hopkins, Mm. and it was it for me. So I love surgery. In the microsurgery for a retina specialist, I think is probably the most fascinating microsurgery that anyone does. Mm. But it's not just that. It allows you to take care of premature infants who have blinding eye disease and take care of people that are 110 years old. And it's men and women and boys and girls, and it's a little bit of medicine. And there's a lot of technology in retina, especially it has blossomed over the last 10 years. I think it's an incredible field to be in. I don't think there's any other field in medicine quite like retina for the retina specialist. Sounds like you have quite the passion for it. And when you were that young teenager, 13, 14... Why the passion for being in medicine? Was there any particular event that kind of triggered that for you? So like a lot of people that go into medicine, I had an experience in medicine where there was some significant illness in the family and I got to see bad medicine and I got to see wonderful medicine. And it kind of drove me to say that I want to be that wonderful doctor. And I think that that's that's it. No one in my family had ever been in medical school. In fact, until my parents, nobody had graduated from college. So this was a big step. And it's kind of funny when I was in Okinawa and I applied to medical school, my mom really wanted me to go to Harvard. So I I don't 
think anybody knows the story, but I told her that I wanted to go to Hopkins and it was this back and forth. Lo and behold, my mom applied to Harvard for me without telling me, which was kind of humorous. So um, I think I'm one of the few people that got a Harvard interview and said, no, thank you, because I got into <laughs> Hopkins early. So it was kind of fun. Well, congratulations. And it must be very rewarding to see the impact you're having on so many lives. You know, what I love about this is that you impact lives daily. So the two things that I do, I'm a retina specialist, but I also do eye cancer treatments. Mm. And I think the two things that we fear the most based on some of the studies that have come out is we fear going blind and we fear dying from cancer. So I get to live in that space and it sounds like it would be a bad space to live in, but because our treatments are so amazing, it's incredible. So I can know that we change lives for our patients on a daily basis. So that's incredible. That's fantastic. So for the people listening to this podcast, they hear this term macular degeneration. So how would you describe to a layperson what is macular degeneration? That's a great question. So first of all, the macula is the area that we do all of our fine vision work with. That's where we see color. That's where you read that really tiny print, you know, on, on the newspaper. That's why you read the street signs on the highway as you're driving at night. So that's all the macula. And it's a pretty uniquely small part of the retina. And the retina is the tissue in the back of the eye. Since we're a little bit of an older group, we can say much like the film in a camera. The, the younger people don't get it because they got digital cameras, but us older people know that if you had bad film in your camera, you had bad pictures. And that's exactly what this is like. So the retina is like film in the camera and it is incredibly thin. So it's kind of like a butterfly's wing. So when we talk about some of the surgeries we do, that's how delicate that is. But that's the area that has those rods and cones that take the light coming into our eyes that's focused and they break it into electrical impulses that go to our brain that we can see with. So if the retina doesn't work, nothing works. So that is like the key to vision for us. If the retina doesn't work, everything else doesn't matter. So macular degeneration, as you can imagine, is degeneration of that special part of the retina called the macula. It used to be called senile macular degeneration when I started. And we, we didn't like that because none of our people were really senile, but they meant to be an older disease. And this used to be rare because when we go back in, in generations, we didn't live that long. So people didn't live long enough to get really bad macular degeneration. So this is a disease that starts in your sixth and seventh decade, and it can increase over time. I hated macular degeneration when I started what we call age-related macular degeneration because even in the early 90s, there was no treatment for the blinding type of macular degeneration. But what's changed in the last decade is that we have tools now where I can look at your macula as if it's under a microscope in the laboratory with the precision to see your blood vessels and almost even the small rods and cone cells for vision. So that technology, you just sit in my office, we take a special type of picture called an optical coherence tomogram, and we can look at it. But it doesn't matter if you can take pictures of things if you don't have anything to do when there's a problem. So macular degeneration really occurs when abnormal blood vessels grow underneath the retina. And the problem with abnormal blood vessels is they can leak. They can leak fluid. And if the holes in the blood vessels are large enough, they can leak blood. 
and fluid and blood change your vision and can blind you. So what really happened that was remarkable is we developed an ability to treat the leaking of those new blood vessels. And that's an amazing story on its own, Sean, because the doctor that developed this treatment out of Boston was trying to cure cancer. And cancer mm-hmm. develops these abnormal new blood vessels. And he was like, we're going to close the blood vessels. We're not going to use chemotherapy. We're going to just target the blood vessels. And he developed something that's called anti-VEGF, which is anti-vascular endothelial growth factor, which is a big name to say that there is a molecule that binds inside of the eye and allows those abnormal blood vessels to stabilize so they don't leak and they Mm -hmm. don't bleed. And if they don't leak and they don't bleed, Sean, you don't lose your vision. So it's amazing. That is incredible. And so would we say that's, you know, for the layperson, would we say that's what causes macular degeneration is what you just described? Right. So the cause of macular degeneration is aging within the eye tissues that are predisposed to degeneration. And the predisposition, what makes us at risk for that, there's these little small dots in underneath the retina called drusen. If you don't have drusen, you don't get age-related macular degeneration. Hmm. The problem is many of us do have drusen, and drusen may or may not lead to this wet or, or neovascular macular degeneration. And we call it wet macular degeneration, Sean, because it leaks. And nice you're thing. absolutely right. So that VEGF, the vascular endothelial growth factor, that's what's stimulating the new blood vessels to grow and leak. So this molecule blocks that because it's an anti-VEGF, and there you go. The biggest problem we've seen with that is trying to identify who's at risk and who's not. So one of the things we know is that if you have an exam early, say in your late 40s, you know, even though you may not have the wet macular degeneration, we can look for the drusen. And if you have the drusen, we can say, hey, Sean, you've got drusen. Maybe you should come in every six months. And here's a test you can do at home to follow your vision every day. And then we can look at you and say, maybe there's some risk factors that you should think about taking care of. So one thing we know is the biggest risk for this is smoking. So we know smoking's bad for cancer. It's bad for your heart. It's bad for stroke. But it actually is the single greatest risk for wet macular degeneration. So it's, it's wow. easy. Yeah, it's a, that's a wow moment. But Sean, like everything else, it's easy to say you should quit. It's hard to do. Yeah. And it, it's amazing how many different medical conditions are caused by smoking. We always hear the typical ones, but just amazing how many others there are that are either related directly or indirectly. That's fascinating. So at our SSF, we're really about being the champion of the patient. So, you know, from where you're sitting, what do you recommend to patients about how they need to talk to the retina specialist about their disease? Because I'm sure there's days you go, boy, I, I just wish patients would talk about this or ask me this, what would be your recommendation, Dr. Murray? Well, first of all, I'd love my patients to know what a retina specialist is because Mm -hmm. most of us don't even know. And a lot of us confuse an ophthalmologist who's a medical doctor from an optometrist that has not gone to medical school. There are wonderful optometrists and there are wonderful ophthalmologists. But when you're getting to the macula and we're talking about this, to me, you want a retina specialist. And so I'd rather have a patient in my office that doesn't need me than a patient that doesn't get to my office that does. And so that brings us back to one of the things I like about the American Society of Retina Specialists is 
No matter where you live in the U.S., you can go to our site, ASRS.org, you know, forward slash patients. You can say there's a little bar that says, find my redness specialist. Ah. And what it will let you do is you can put your city, you can put your zip code, or you can put a doctor's name that you know in, and it will give you that person's contact information. What a great so idea. It is a it is a great idea. And, and it's, you know, one of the... I think what we're looking at with the SRS and a big thing for me is giving back to our patients, just like you want to be patient focused. So do I. So I want patients to know what a retina specialist is and why you should see them, what should drive you to ask to see a retina specialist. And then once you've got to my office, I think it's pretty easy, but you're absolutely right, Sean, you want to know what to ask. So I tell my patients the first visit almost always is overwhelming, but I I would think it'd be very overwhelming. Right. But the good thing about retina specialty or the bad thing for the patient sometimes is you get to come back and see me again and sometimes <laughs> again and again and again. So I say, look, the next time you come back in, make sure you write all your questions out. Hmm. I will never let you leave without me answering every one of your questions. And, wow. and that's really important because, Sean, you go into that doctor's office and they tell you this or that or the other, and you can just lose total track of what you had planned to say or ask or do. So you might get nervous or anxious or confused. And that's why, and Sean, that's why bringing, you know, it's a little crazy with the, with this COVID-19 pandemic, but it's good to have somebody with you because you want somebody to hear what you're being told that can come back and remind you, you know, you heard this, I heard this. Like a second set of ears. A second set of ears and a focused idea of what's going on. And you should never leave the doctor's office without understanding a few basic things. What's my diagnosis? What is my treatment plan? What do I need to do to make myself healthier? And when do I need to come back and see you again? And I tell my patients, never leave without making your follow-up appointment. Because I think it's, that's a great idea. It's so easy to forget to do that. Yeah. And then when you call in, the, the doctor's office is like, we've got an appointment in six months. And you're like, no, I need to see him in six days. And the other thing is you need to find a doctor whose office is available to you. So if you call the doctor's office and no one speaks to you, that's not that's not cool. So I think that's important. And then also, Sean, this is a condition that runs in families. So Oh, that's interesting. So if your parents or one of your siblings had macular degeneration, you have a significantly higher risk. And we think it's from the genetics of the disease. But what we also realize is that it's complex genetics. So people have done some genetic testing, and this is not a simple disease. So it's not like, you know, where breast cancer has those BRCA1 and BRCA2 genes that you can go and get a blood test for. That doesn't work for macular degeneration yet, but it probably will at some point in the future. So as far as MACD, as we like to call it, of course, we know that it's actually AMD, but you know, we, we kind of have a simple term to describe right. it. It affects millions of people, all the people listening. So if you had to give three tips for those who are have it or are newly diagnosed with having it, you know, if I, if I stopped you on the street and said, okay, doctor, what's your three biggest tips for that newly diagnosed or people that already have it? What would you recommend? What's your three big tips? So my three big tips are understand the condition that you have. And what okay. your role is in that condition. So I think that the, the the problem with MACD, as we say, is that when it becomes this abnormal wet MACD, that's mm-hmm. the type we worry about. 
And you have to be really active to make sure you're getting into your doctor's office to the retina specialist's office to be treated. And you also have to understand that your vision should be good. If you cover each eye and one of the eyes doesn't have good vision, you need to understand why, okay? The other thing we talk about, we've mentioned smoking and being healthy. We've, we've mentioned the fact that, you know, you have to monitor the vision for changes and you have to be committed to being engaged in this treatment. So I think that, um, that the biggest thing is to know what to look for, who you need to see, and what your plan is to get good care. So people that walk in and say, you know, I need to understand my disease so I can take care of myself with you, Dr. Murray, those are the patients that do the best. I'll yeah. take care of anybody, but you have to get you have to get back and you have to be engaged. I've always thought that the the relationship should be a proactive and it should be a relationship between the doctor and the patient. And if both of you are working together, you're going to get a lot better results than if someone is passive and less engaged in their own health. So that's a great example. So, you know, here on the MACD Life, we're always about giving people hope. So I want you to look in your crystal ball, if you have one on your desk there. And I'm just wondering, are there any new treatments down the road in the pipeline that can really give people hope for either a cure or some significant improvement in terms of treatment or medication? So the first thing, Sean, is to realize that the reason I used to hate MACD is everybody would, with wet MACD, went blind. You, you, oh. went, you, went, you were blind. Wow. That, that doesn't happen anymore. Well, that's great news. So if you come into my office and your vision is 2020 and you've got wet MACD, you're going to be able to read and drive with that eye for the rest of your life as long as you keep in touch with me. Well, that's, that's great news. amazingly hopeful, okay? From blindness to reading, driving vision. And remember, the, we want our independence. We want to be able to read. We want to see our grandchildren. We want to drive our car. We want to be able to shop. You can't do any of that without good sight. So this is one of those things that I think is so critical. The second question you've asked is, is really fascinating. So how far we've come in 10 years is amazing, but where we're going to go in the next 10 years, I think is going to be even more so. And why I think that is, is we're the way we treat MACD now, which sounds awful, but is not, is we give you an injection into the eye that puts the medicine right near the retina. That is amazing. And it sounds awful, but it's really, it's really not. Well, if it so gets great results. It gets great results. So it's worth it to do it. Having said that, you have to come back. You have to be re-injected. It, it has a lot of burden for the patient and their family and even for their doctors. So the future already has occurred in that there is the first example of a device that may allow you to get injected once every six months. Mm. That device, the problem with it is you have to put it in in the operating room. But once it's in, it's great. But the question is, who should get it and who shouldn't? But that's one advance where you go from injecting every maybe six weeks to every six months. That's a huge difference. Correct. And then the second thing that's amazing is, is that we're looking at some of these gene therapies where we can inject a modified gene into your eye that can make the anti-VEGF in your eye. So your eye can become a factory to make the medicine. So once I've treated you, maybe I don't need to treat you ever again. That's, that's phenomenally exciting. And it looks like, at least preliminarily, that there's some really good hope for that. So and the then, body would be treating itself. That's what so you're saying. you put a gene into your body 
to make the molecule that we've been injecting, okay? And your body, your eye, because it's really your eye, it's, it's your eye that becomes a factory to make the molecule. Unbelievably exciting. That's Unbelievable. incredible. I mean, this sounds like science fiction almost. Well, so some of this does. If When you come to my office and you see the images of your eye that we put up, those images were science fiction, you know, 10 years ago. And then the other thing is, is that device that I use in my office, there's going to be a device like that that you can have at home. So you wow. can use home monitoring. So maybe it will be instead of having to come to me to look at you and see if I need to give you another treatment, maybe you just need to check your site and your OCT at home. It sends it to me at my office. You and I look at it together and you don't have to get in the car and come in and have your eyes dilated and spend an hour and a half in my office. That's wow. another advance. And that's going to happen within the next two years. Wow. Dr. Murray, that's incredible. So at the Support Site Foundation, you know, lots of times we talk to patients, they say, well, why didn't my doctor tell me about this? Or why didn't my doctor tell me more? And, you know, it's understandable because patients are frustrated. They're fearful. They're scared. They're losing their sights really scary. And so what can be done about connecting the dots for patients and caregivers so that they really understand more about their disease and other resources like the Support Site Foundation? So What's your thought on that? I'm sure you think about this every day about connecting the dots for people. Well, one of the things about MACD is you often get this when you're much older and it becomes much more difficult for you to integrate your heart doctor and your lung doctor and your diabetic doctor, you know, and your kidney doctor and your eye doctor. So I think that having a support network, either with your family and friends or even with foundational support like you have, or there there are other places like Lighthouse for the Blind that can help. It's, it's a horrible name because it's Lighthouse for the Blind for me is really not for blind people. It's for people that have limited vision in mm-hmm. any capacity. And the better your vision is, the better you do. But I think that you want to have a good support group. I think you want to understand your your condition. So you have to ask your doctor questions. And a lot of people, you know, the doc- especially now that we're dealing with patients that are older with MACD, they were very respectful of their doctors. They didn't interrupt. They didn't ask questions. They, they just did what they were told. I don't believe that. I love when my patients do what they're told, but I don't believe you should ever do what you're told without asking why you're doing it and what it means and what the other options are. So I'll tell you, the one thing I'll say is if you have someone that doesn't feel like they understand their disease from their doctor, they need a new doctor. Get a second Agreed. opinion. Yeah, that Go relationship isn't doctor. there. Right. And, and, and I will tell you that there's a lot of resource now to let people look online about what kind of doctor there is. That's not the best stuff in the world, but at least gives you some idea. Support groups like yours and others sometimes will be a key. And I'll tell you, if you have MACD, make sure you have a retina specialist. Make sure that the doctor isn't a a comprehensive ophthalmologist. Make sure that they specialize in your disease because the equipment in my office costs a million dollars. It doesn't exist in an office that's a general practitioner's office. It just, it, it just, it doesn't and it won't. So we've made a big commitment to have the technology and the resource and the team So I like to think that I'm a really great ophthalmologist and a great retina specialist, but I have an amazing team of 
clinician support people, my nurses and my techs and, and all that. And, and a front office that understands when they should hear when the patient calls and says, I suddenly have blurred vision in my eye. And they'll say, you need to be seen. Not, well, let's see how you're doing over the next week. Right. So it's really important. So I think you've got to own your own, your own healthcare much more now than ever before. And that's why having something like the Support Site Foundation is so important. You're a resource for them to call when they don't think that they can ask their doctor. And these conversations like what you and I are having today, hopefully that touches a lot of people in a way that empowers them to, to say, gosh, I heard Dr. Murray say I should ask questions when I'm with my doctor. Or I heard Sean say, you know, don't don't give up. You have to have hope. Yes. So I I think those are the the really key things that we're looking for. I think that's great. Thank you so much. So speaking of resources, (laughs) I understand that you have a brand new podcast and I actually tuned in for several of them and was very impressed. I found it absolutely fascinating. So tell us a little bit about your new podcast. We certainly plan on cross promoting that uh, here at our association, but tell us a little bit about your podcast and, and the goal and mission of that podcast. Well, the American Society of Retina Specialists, most of what we're focused on is bringing advances of therapy and and education to our doctors, okay? Mm. So we're really good about meetings and and training our doctors to be the best in the world. But we haven't really given back to our patients as much. We've let the doctors do that on a one-on-one basis. So we have a really good infrastructure team. And the idea was, let's do this focused like you are. Let's focus it on the patients and try to touch on areas of the retina specialty care that make a difference. So just like you, we've talked about what's a retina specialist. How do you understand your diabetes? How do you understand your MACD? How do you understand a stroke in the eye? How do you understand these new technologies? What's an injection? So I think we're going to really do well together, Sean, because what you want to do yes. is what we want to do. And, and you're going to bring a little different perspective than we are. And I think the more educational opportunities and the more information for our patients and their families and their caregivers, that, that's what this is all about. So where do people find your podcast? Where would they look? What's the name of it? How do they find it? Yeah. So at the patient website for us, asrs.org forward slash patients, that's where they can see we have little brochures you can print out for yourself about different conditions. You can find your retina specialist near you. And then we have this new podcast called Retina Health for Life from the president's corner. So I was the president. So that's where we got that. And Sarah and Jill have been amazing with us, like your team. And we're on Apple Podcasts and we're on YouTube. So you can, um, my daughter, who's 15 and really a technology wizard, asked Alexa to find the podcast and they pulled it right up and she goes, dad, that's you. So audio component and video. So we're doing this as audio and that's probably most important. I like the video component too, because it lets some of our patients and their families what does Dr. Murray look like? What does Dr. Barakal look like? You know, yes. so it's kind of nice to put a face to the voice. So they would go to asrs.com? No, asrs.org. ORG. Just clarify, because that's, that's the first place people would go is to the .com, right? So that's right. asrs.org backslash patient. Correct. And then all and, the resources are there. Correct. And you just put in American Society of Redness Specialists or even just put in Redness Specialists. Most of it will bring you back to us 
right. um, because we are that largest society. And Sean, really fun to talk with you. Nice to talk to you. And we plan on promoting your podcast on our show. So Dr. Murray, thank you so much for joining us today. A fascinating conversation and look forward to future conversations down the road. Thank you, Sean. Thank you, doctor. This program is empowered by the Support Site Foundation. The Support Site Foundation mission is to save sight for millions of people who suffer from age-related macular degeneration, AMD, and lose their precious vision. As a 501c3 public charity, our goal is to provide patient education and access to low vision resources to help individuals, families, and caregivers whose lives are severely impacted by AMD. We place a high priority on connecting with people, their families, and loved ones who live with the daily struggle of impaired vision. The Support Site Foundation funds innovative research projects conducted by the top scientists in the field who are on a path to discover effective new tools, technology, and treatments for people like you with vision loss. The Support Site Foundation, supportsite.org, S-U-P-P-O-R-T-S-I-G-H-T.org, or call us at 888-681-8773 and connect with us on social media. Thank you. Thanks for being with us on My MACD Life, the podcast with a vision to bring hope, optimism, perspective, and education to our listeners. For more information and many great, incredible resources, visit MyMACDLife.org. This program is supported by amazing listeners like you. During the season of giving, please consider a donation to keep our mission moving forward. Remember to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Until next time, keep living with hope. My Mackie Life! My Mackie Life! Ah!